Welcome to the Fortune Management Productivity Podcast, where we have productive conversations with CEOs and other C-level executives. In these conversations, you will learn from the most productive people in our industry. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Don Corey, guest host of the Fortune Productivity Podcast, and I am passionate about helping people be more productive and more profitable. Today, we welcome my good friend, Bernie Stoltz, to the Fortune Productivity Podcast. Bernie is the CEO of Fortune Management, which is the world's largest executive coaching organization for doctors. Bernie leads more than 120 coaches in over 90 cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. And he's the author of two fantastic books, The Win-Win Outcome, The Dealmaker's Guide to Buying and Selling Dental Practices, and his brand new book, The Fortune Recipe, Essential Ingredients for Creating Your Best Life, which draws on his experience leading companies and advising top business executives for more than four decades. And I don't mean to date you on that, Bernie, but welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Dr. Don Corey. (laughs) Thank you. I I always love addressing you that way. And of course, you and I go back, what, over a decade at this point? Almost 12 years, yeah. 12 years. There you go. And, you know, you're, you're sitting here telling the audience that, you know, I oversee 120 coaches in 90 markets, but the reality of it is, is you oversee a lot of that in the Northeast. So uh, I am always, always grateful for all the work that you do in our company as well. Uh, You've made a major difference in a lot of doctors' lives, my friend. Thank you, Bernie. Appreciate it. It was a great day. We got to meet up in Toronto in 2010, if you remember. So, uh, yep. That was uh, that was a great opportunity and pleasure to call you my friend. And, and well, thank you, thank you. So, Bernie, I like to define being productive as feeling in control, being crystal clear on your goals, making progress on your most important goals, and really being conscious about investing your time, much like you would invest in a portfolio. So, what does being productive mean to you? Well. I think that, you know, there's an old saying that says, if you don't have a plan for your life, someone else will be happy to give you one. And so the first thing I think, I mean, if you really want to break it down and maybe reverse engineer it, is you got to get real, real clear about what your vision is, what your plan is, what you really want, what's most important to you, and also where you want to make the biggest difference. One of the things that I've said for years, and it's ironic that you said, where do I invest my time? And, you know, you and I have maybe a little bit of a a different look at that because time management's an interesting conversation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In other words, think about this. We all have the exact same amount of time. True. 24, 7, 365. You can't speed it up. You can't slow it down. It just is what it is. And I don't even like that statement. Mm -hmm. So what I have learned over the years, over God, probably now 32 years or more, is that it's not so much about managing my time. If you really study successful people, whether they be in business or just living a great life, it's how you manage your energy. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm about energy and I'm about how I manage it and where I invest it. And, and by the way, I mean, I go through a process every single morning to that effect. Mm -hmm. It's really a, about a three or four step process. I mean, the first thing I do when, when eyes are wide open, you know, the first thing I want to do is make sure I'm fully alert and that I've got the energy I need. So I'm doing deep diaphragmic breathing. Um, and that changes daily, you know, like today, my back's out today. So I didn't get on the stair climber this morning. Okay. Right. And, and sometimes I'm in a hotel room in a different city and not always, but if I had my druthers, man, I like to start my day either riding a bike or stair climber or, you know, taking a walk or whatever I'm doing, but just getting fully alert and fully alive. Because one thing that plays into this whole conversation is that energy is the fuel of excellence. Mm -hmm. And what people forget is if you don't take care of your physiology, if you don't take care of your body, then it's hard for you to play full out and be productive or have the energy to invest. I mean, like, let me give you, you know, one thing that I think we can both appreciate. And as you get older, you appreciate it more. And that is a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure. You know, I mean, I remember... You know, 32 years ago, when, when Tony Robbins and I were doing things together, we had a, a motto, and that is, we'll sleep when we're dead. And <laughs> we could make it work on four or five hours, six hours a night. And I went on like that for, hell, over a decade. But I know better now. I, I know better, and I know that your body needs to heal. You need to get a good eight hours sleep. 100%. And even in my coaching to people, when they're making a difficult or important decision, I will say, hey, use the 24-hour rule. Sleep on it. Because it's scientific fact that you see things. Your brain connects different synapses the next day. You have a different perspective on your decisions. So, Absolutely. You know, so whether it's that or just having the energy, and so I think, you know, three things. Number one, how do you get your energy? You get a good night's sleep. You exercise on a fairly regular basis and you eat fairly decently. It's not rocket science. You do mm -hmm. those three things, you're going to probably be okay. So the first thing I do is I, I, I make sure I got the energy to invest. Second thing I do is I get very clear about my own life every morning. And you know that I do a process of my gratitudes. I talk about it in my new book. Gratitude is the platform for which everything else springs. And of course, for years and years, I talked about the four emotions that I want to operate from every single day, starting with gratitude. But then that has always allowed me to summon forth the other three, which is to be happy, to be kind to others, and to live an abundant life. Now, pretty interesting, just this year in the spirit of constant and never-ending improvement, and because just because I think it's where we are in the world today, as of January 2022, when I was wishing people a happy new year, I said, may you have a year filled with gratitude and optimism. Mm. So now I've got five, the fifth one being optimism. And I, you know, and it's always funny too, because I encourage people to be optimists. I know you do as well. And there's always going to be the pessimist who says, well, I'm, you know, I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist. And I say, <laughs> pessimists always say that. I, and I, I give the, the realist slash 
pessimist. I give them credit for one thing. They're about five times as accurate at assessing a situation. Those are the high seas of the world, right, Don? Yes, I can appreciate that sometimes. <laughs> but what if I said that the optimist succeeds five times as much? Yeah. So at the end of the day, what do you really want to be? You got to see things better than they really are. So I come from those emotions and I go around my whole life wheel, right? And I ask what I'm grateful for. And it's different every day. Mm-hmm. So I always start with my emotional mastery. What am I grateful for today? Be, beyond being able to just choose those emotions. See, everything's a choice. If you, I think, train your mind every morning that everything you do throughout the day is a choice, it's going to play right into the topic you and I are talking about. Because yeah. it's about making choices on how to invest your energy, who to talk to, who not to, who's a time waster, who's someone who you can collaborate and do great work with. You know, there, there's all so, but it's all choice, right? It is. It is. You know, two really highlights from that, Bernie, that I've learned from my research and talking to C-level executives is most productive people have a morning routine. Now, it may not be exactly like yours, but they have some way to get themselves into that mindset for the day that's so critical. And uh, and I also love that you talked about decision making because the most productive people make better decisions. And better decisions are more reflective decisions. So I love how you you captured that. Yeah, and I think I think to be honest, I think successful people are willing to make more decisions. Yeah, I, I even say it that way as well. Um, because the more you decide about how you want your life to look like, you want your career to look like, or any part of that life wheel, right? So again, you know, when we talk about the life wheel for your listeners, I, I want to first of all, I want to see what am I grateful for that day from a, an emotional standpoint and not just being able to choose the emotions, but, you know, just where is my state of mind for the day? Right. Mm-hmm. The, the second thing is physically. And again, as we spoke already, Hey, I get grateful every morning. If I had a good night's sleep, mm-hmm. I get grateful every morning. If I can get on a stair climber and I can, you know, exercise and, and get fully, fully oxygenized. I get grateful for those things. I, I also get grateful for, you know, the people I have in my life. And that that also ties into, I think, how you invest energy or time is by getting clear about what people you want in your life and which ones are going to adorn and decorate your life and how who are the people that appreciate you. So I ask every morning, who do I love? Who loves me? And I look at different layers of relationships from my wife, my children, my family, to also my lifelong friends, but also to our our family at Fortune and all of our affiliate companies and all that. And then, of course, all the doctors and teams and clients that, you know, we serve. So I, I look at the gratitudes of all those relationships. I also every day ask a really good question, which has a lot to do with energy, and that is, how am I going to contribute as much as I can to as many people as I can in the shortest amount of time possible and make the biggest difference? And that's kind of my spin on spirituality or contribution. You know, it's about it's about your integrity right here on planet Earth. And it's about how can you always lead with your giving hand? And that requires energy. And you got to do it with the right people. You can't do it with everybody. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth area I look at is, is my career. 
And of course, what I'm grateful for every day is the power of purpose. That's what makes, and I know you share that as well. Yeah, and exactly. and then, you know, this, the sixth area, I think a lot of people who are still in pursuit of their wealth, I think they should be asking, you know, what's, what am I grateful for financially or in my financial abundance or my financial plan or my my freedom. Uh, I think also it is good to get to a point in your life where the focus there is not even about money anymore. Uh, I'm grateful enough to be in a place in my life now where that sixth area is no longer for me financial mastery. It's more just how can I live the greatest life and be grateful for all the lifestyle that I have, you know, and, and by the way, how can you invest the energy into the parts of your life that you want? So I go through all that. And then the last thing I do is I say, okay, where am I going to, where am I willing to, where do I choose? Pay attention to the words I'm using, the choice, the willingness to invest energy in. And of course, if we've got dental teams out there listening today, one of the things that I always tell them is the one place that successful dental teams or really successful cultured organizations of any type never invest energy in is drama. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, for okay. sure. Because that, that is just the, the worst investment of our time. And even bad emotions are a bad investment of our energy and our time. So I always get clear on what is, again, what's the WMI? What's most important that I invest the most energy that's going to get the quickest results and the most results in the shortest amount of time and affect as many people as possible. Those are all different criterias to how I invest my energy, mm-hmm. right? Great. Let's go with that a bit because I know that you get many requests for your time. Uh, and, and many of us do. And as the CEO of the company, you get probably more than anyone else requests for your time. How do you evaluate when to say yes to a request for your time and when to say no? Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of different criteria. Uh, first of all, I think you have to evaluate who's making the request of your time. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, not all people will treat your time equally. There mm-hmm. are people out there who really truly need your time, your energy, your advice, your guidance, your communication. And you enjoy giving it to them because you know that that it's it's going to be well spent on them. Mm-hmm. But you also know that there's a lot of people out there in this world, whether it be in business or whether it be in your personal life, who will suck the life out of you, who are time wasters. Right. So I think you got to have a little bit of discernment there as far as as that's concerned. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, I've learned to use a lot of tools. And, you know, there's a great quote. I know you and I both read the book Essentialism. You know, I've even done a a couple lectures on it. And a lot of people take the wrong thing away from that book. They think that essentialism means that, you know, it's your ticket or your permission to be lazy and not pay attention to a lot of things. Uh, No, that's not the message by the author. The message by the author is, is that probably 95% of the information that comes out of human being during the course of a day or a life is noise. It's Mm -hmm. not relevant to that particular life. And 
what what essentialism is is it's really the art of defining what is that one or two or five percent that is important that you put all your energy in because what the author also goes on to say and this is the the bottom line to that book is that by doing that by you putting all of your energy into what is most important let's call it the top five percent then you now can make a bigger difference in the world. You can mm-hmm. now make a bigger difference with the people that you're working with. So I've tried to do that. I think another thing that I do, I, I can give you a few few of my tools, my secrets. Yeah, what are some of your favorite tools? I'm glad you mentioned that. First of all, don't be afraid to put your away email message on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even when you're not away. Mm-hmm. In other words, in other words, you know, one of the things, again, I, we said this at the top of the call, we said, look, if if you don't have a plan for your life, someone else is glad to do that for you. So guess what? I when we address my calendar, you know, which, by the way, is on my phone 24 seven. It's there all the time. It's it's part of. But what that is for me is that's a roadmap of how I invest my energy. Mm-hmm. And I block off major, major chunks of time that I'm just not going to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for instance, me, me personally, not everyone's going to have the luxuries that I have. But I think, you know, at this point in my life and in my career, I block the whole month of June off every year. That's awesome. Love it. Well, in good times, it's because I want to be either traveling or I want to be in Italy, you know, kind of my homeland a little bit there, Mm -hmm. or I want to be somewhere in Europe for a month every year. Now, this year, we're not going. The world's in a crazy place. Uh, But bottom line is I still blocked the month of June off. And, you know, and I may, by choice, do a couple things. But for the most part, people in my company know that I don't work in June and I usually don't work, um, you know, too much after about the 10th of December and maybe the first half of January, take about a month. Okay. And, and the reason is, is be- and, and by the way, that's because I have this incredible leadership team of people. But what I've done is I've set that up life by design. I talk about that in my new book. Yes. Life by design. So I just, it's almost like for a dental scheduler, rock, sand, water, right? You know, you have to, to block off important things, high production zones, and maybe it's also high fun zones as well, I would say would be another way to do that. But I definitely put my away email on. I'm not shy about doing that. Second thing I do is, and you've heard me talk about a process called raft, right? R A. T, mm-hmm. you know, which means, and, and I pride myself on emptying my collection buckets. And you and I have David Allen in common and yes. getting things done. We're both fans of him, yes. Mm-hmm. You know that, that we're, you know, what David's a big advocate, and I think you and I are too, is keep all your collection buckets empty, mm-hmm. or at least get them empty. So one of the ways that I do that is, is with that raft principle, which means anything that comes to any of my collection buckets, whether that be my email, my voicemail, a text, which, by the way, I, I, always, I still get a kick out of human beings who have a smartphone and don't use it very smartly. 
<laughs> well, it's all based on the user. It's only as smart as the user. <laughs> well, exactly. But, but you're, a, you're a sharp guy. Tell me, what is the difference between you receiving a text to your phone or an email to your phone? Very little, actually. And I'll tell you this, Bernie, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to get your perspective on this, too, because right now, for the last six months or so, I have my phone on Do Not Disturb 24 by 7. Because here's the thing. I know there's a text. I know there's an email. It's there. If I'm focused in a conversation like this or a conversation with a client, you know, I'll get to it at the right time and then process all of those and clean them up and empty the collection bucket, as you say. So it's all input. It's all incoming. The same thing. Well, I, I agree. I agree. In other words, it's about proactively handling that that uh, personal communication device. So I'm with you. I, my phone is always on silent. Also, I'll, tip, I'll give another tip for your listeners. Turn off all of the alerts. Yes. The only, alert, the only alerts that I leave on is my text alert and I leave my main email alert on, but nothing else. So in other words, if I get, which to me are the most three most important channels of communication, if I get a call, if it's important, it goes to voicemail. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm like scheduled to pick up a call at two o'clock, then obviously I'm going to just grab it. But I don't pick up, I never pick up a, a, a phone call that does not have, that's not in my database already. Mm -hmm. Never. And nowadays it's mostly all junk and telemarketers mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So I never pick up a phone, which I, I think it's crazy. I will be sitting in the middle of a meeting with somebody and the phone will ring on somebody else's cell phone. They don't even know who it is and they just pick it up and say, hello. Mm -hmm. What a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100% agree. And you, you're not prepared. You're not, you know, and, and what I've found out is all these telemarketers, none of them leave messages. So you just, it's a screening device. Yeah. Even if they, even if they do, if they're in another, a meeting with someone else, and even if they do recognize the call, unless it's an emergency or some kind, you know, wait till the meeting is over and then. Well, yeah, it's, 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 well, quite frankly, it's a lack of respect for the person that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, it, it drives me nuts, but, but I'll tell you, I will, will not, um, I won't, I won't touch any of them. I will look, I will only have those alerts on and then I know they're there. And, I, and, and by the way, I pride myself. I respond to everything, every which way within 24 hours, but usually it's more like instantaneous. Usually it's more like 24 seconds with you. Yeah, actually. <laughs> because well, why? Because, and this is important for your listeners to know too, the more you pile that stuff up in your collection buckets, the more stress you have mm -hmm. and the less focus you're going to be able to have. So I, my, my email is zeroed out every single day. And most of the time during the day, it's zeroed out. Now, the RAF principle says that if something comes in, I'll use email as an example, but the same thing can apply to a text, a voicemail, doesn't matter, your inbox on your desk, your mailbox, doesn't matter. But if it comes in, there's really only four things you can do on it, right? So one means that you, uh, R stands for, to me, refer, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where the concept you mentioned, touch it once comes in. 
because I will look at every email, but if there is someone who should own it in my organization, or maybe it's in my personal life, maybe it's my wife, I don't know. But bottom line is, is if someone else can handle that more appropriately than I can, then it is automatically going to be referred down the line. And then I know who owns it. And because I, I don't want to own anything at this point. Right. Sure. It sounds crazy. I know where everything's at and I oversee a lot of things. But see, that's the difference between leadership and management. Leadership, I'm happy to do. Management, I'm not happy to do. And, and quite frankly, that also goes with my evolution as a leader. I don't even believe people should be managed anymore. Yeah, fair point. You can quote me on that. People should not be managed. Okay. And, and for all you doctors who are out there, let's be very clear. If you feel the need to manage your team, your front desk, your schedule, your anybody, that is the greatest insult you could give to your people. Because what you're really saying is, I don't trust you. So I go the other way, and, I, I, and I've also found something out about human development. The more you expect of people, the more you trust of people, the more they'll show up. You get what you expect. Yeah, I mean, your job as a leader is not lower the bar. It's raise the bar, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to touch it once, and I want someone else to own it. The, the A is act on it. Mm -hmm. Right now, I've also got, as you know, a two minute rule, which means if I can act on that email right away, two minutes or less, I do it right away. Again, no stress. It's done. Yeah. Great rule. Yeah. I mean, and if it's more than than two minutes where I think I've got to really put some conscious thought into maybe a bigger decision. Well, then what I'll do is I'll put it into incubation, basically mm -hmm. leave it in that in, in the inbox until I am ready to make a thoughtful response. The F is for file it. You know, a lot of stuff just gets filed. It's, it's part of that 95% of useless information that comes to us that should not suck your energy. And then T is throw it away, right? Yeah. Delete, delete, delete. I also, uh, I don't read a lot of jokes. If I see something that comes into me that says FW, FW, FW in front of it, <laughs> chances are, unless it's someone who I really value their humor, I'm not looking at it. Right. You know? So I, I think those are just some of the things that, that I use as tools, Don. I, I love the, the delete and, and use that more often. It's probably one of the most underutilized keys on the keyboard is just get rid of it because you probably don't need it and you can probably find it some other way. Well, and haven't you learned over the years that there's certain people that you know and you know their behavior that an email comes in from them. You don't even read it. You just delete it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know who's on that auto rule list. Horrible to say, but, uh, you know, but again, it gets back to after a while, you need to know who are the people who suck time out of your life. Mm -hmm. And you got, and by the way, you have to put some guard gates up. Yeah. Right. So, and I know you're talking, you talk about that in your uh, in your book, you know, uh, when to say yes. And of course, I said we should write the follow up book. And that is uh, permission to say no, you know, because that's that's part of it. You, you got to say no to more things. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how many times I get the question, what's an elegant way to say no uh, because of that? And I purposely didn't address that in the book because there, there are so many great productivity 
topics out there that talk about that. But uh, shifting gears for for a minute, Bernie, if you um, think about a time where you've had to reprioritize something, you have your clear list, you've decided where you're going to invest your energy, and then something drives you to reprioritize the day or the week or the month. What's an example of that? Well, I would first of all go with the rule that if you've got a solid enough plan and you've thought things out, then you usually don't have to do that because if you, to me, when you say the word reprioritize, what you're talking about is emergencies now. Now you're talking about the situation has changed. It's gotten out of hand. It's moved in a different direction. I don't like surprises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think any CEO of any company likes surprises unless they're the ones creating them. But I think what what you do to answer your question, not dodge the question, I think that you have to take a look at uh, the risk reward factor. Uh, is the juice worth the squeeze? And and are there things that you're going to have to shuffle around because this is an opportunity you don't want to miss, or somebody really really needs your help, or that just the priority comes comes to a head in a different way. I mean, I'm, you know, I I don't know to give you one exact example. I don't know where that would be right now uh, without giving away a lot of people's anonymity. So I won't do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. But we got the point. It's, it's an emergency. It's an emergency. Here, I will give you an example. And that is I can have a whole week planned out. I can have a whole day planned out. I know exactly where I'm going to, to invest my energy. And all of a sudden we have one of our wonderful doctors, one of our wonderful clients who has an emergency. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I'm all about helping people. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that is always the highest priority or even more. So I put the priorities of our team, our people, you know, if, if Don Corey calls me and you have on occasion, Mm-hmm. and you needed to talk to me, how quick do I get back to you? Immediate. We're back to 24 second, right? Yeah. I mean, and, 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 I, and I think really that is, that's part of just being a successful human being. Yeah. Well said. It, it's, it's, it's part of the soft skills that we teach and we hire on today. You know, I, did you happen to see the, uh, the post that I did on social media? It was, I guess, about, a week or two ago about the different types of quotients, IQ, EQ, SQ, and AQ. It sounds familiar, but remind us what they Okay, what they so, so this is really good. And anyone who wants to see it in the written hand, just go back to my Facebook page. But IQ, obviously the intelligent quotient, is really how all traditional learning has gone for, you know, decades, centuries, I don't know. And that's really, you know, still today. I mean, I think our education system is based on that, on memorization, Mm -hmm. on um, test taking, on all those things. And it's uh, unfortunately 95% of that stuff can can flood flood your brain and not be useful information. Um, What I believe are the three more important questions. I'm not saying IQ isn't important. But I'll even take a page from Bill Gates. Two years ago, he wrote a a white paper and he said, at this point in my business career, it's very clear to me that awareness 
And EQ is a higher attribute than IQ. And that's mm-hmm. coming from a high IQ guy. Yes. Right? yes. So when we talk about EQ, EQ are the soft skills, right? It's and, and some of this relates back to, you know, showing up on time and things like this. But I put it into like six things. Empathy, awareness, common sense, street smarts, integrity and work ethic. Those are the people I want on my team. This, these are the people that we filled the company of fortune with. But then let's go to SQ. SQ is the social quotient. Mm-hmm. That's the ability for you to be able to, first of all, nurture and build relationships and hold on to them for a long period of time. Collect relationships that can last a lifetime. I don't think we can ever have a discussion about productivity without talking about relationships. We can always get more done together than we can alone. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, so, and, and so where, where that, where that also uh, I think comes into play is your ability to communicate and influence better. Mm-hmm. That makes you more productive mm-hmm. and the ability to enroll other people in your vision, which is how you can you know, delegate things. But then there's also the fourth one that's AQ. That's the adversity quotient. Mm. Adversity quotient, quite frankly, is something that is a little bit of a void in our society today. In other words, how well is society at dealing with adversity, at being able to be criticized, at being able to uh, be willing to listen to somebody else's opposing opinion? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we got a real issue with that in this country, don't we? We do. You know, and, and that's all part of the adversary quotient. You know, um, you know, it's it's why fifth graders have to get us eighth place trophy when they don't win. Why? Because it would it would hurt them. It would shatter them to know that they weren't the best. And so there's there's all four of those quotients at work in everything we do these days, I believe. Especially the the last one, adversity quotient, the last couple of years, right? That needs to be high in order to deal with a situation and adapt to businesses shutting down and and special circumstances and not being able to meet face to face. You need to adjust and adapt. Well, and I mean, if you really want to, if you want to go back all the way to the core root of it, it's not about COVID at all. It's the way I think kids are being raised. You know, let's let's be real honest here. Um, you know, we, if you ask the average uh, parent today, what the number one thing they want for their children is, how do you think they're going to respond? What are they going to say? Probably they would say to be happy. Yeah. I want them to be happy, happy more than being able to master the EQ, the SQ and the AQ. In other words, you want happy more than some a kid coming up without integrity or worth work ethic or being able to handle a little bit of adversity or criticism. The minute that that parent lets that child know that the most important thing for them is for them to be happy, you just handed your son or daughter a loaded gun because now anytime they don't get what they want, they get to be unhappy. It's right? almost like we're putting the top of the pyramid first and we need all those building blocks you're talking about first to be able to have a great foundation which ultimately will help us be happy and decide to be happy well you know don 
It's very much how we teach at Fortune with any culture of any organization. You got to be first, then you do, then you get to have happiness. You don't try to make a kid happy just because they were born. Okay, that, that, that's crazy. Do you know for the first time ever, Webster's Dictionary actually has a slang definition of snowflake? I haven't heard that. What is what is the slang? Well, look it up. But what it says, and I'm, I'll, um, I'll paraphrase, but it says a person who cannot, uh, cannot be open to others' opinions, someone mm. who's fragile, someone mm. who can't handle adversity. Does that yeah. sound familiar? Yeah. Sure. Well, I, I think you hit on something really important about being able to have a conversation when you have opposing viewpoints. So wh- why is why is politics kind of taboo in a conversation? Because people get very emotional about it and they stick their heels in and it's their idea or no idea. And it, I look forward to the day when we can have, again, intelligent conversations when we do have different views, whether it's about politics or religion or anything. Let's uh, let's bring that back, because I think it makes us a better society, better company, better culture, better society when we can do that. Well, I agree. And even our founding fathers, you know, when they put together the the Declaration of Independence, they even, you know, were open minded to to other suggestions, other ideas. But, yeah, we're in kind of a polarized uh, environment right now. But again, the AQ and EQ have a lot to do with that and the SQ as well. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your your book and productivity concepts from your new book, Bernie, because one of the things you talk about is avoiding overload. And one thing I've heard from people, especially in the last couple of years, maybe I'm noticing a bit of a trend is this word of like overwhelm, like people are feeling more overwhelmed today than than ever. So how do you avoid that? Well, I think, first of all, you got to be careful. You and I know we teach transformational vocabulary. So words like overwhelmed or overloaded are not in my vocabulary personally, mm-hmm. uh, because first of all, I, I'm one that comes from total blue ocean and abundance. I believe opportunities everywhere if you're willing to look. And so, you know, I would if I were the listener and I'm using those words, I would be looking to supplant those words with words like I have a lot of opportunities or I'm in big demand now or a lot of people need me. Right. So I think that that is important to begin with. I think the other thing, again, I think we've been talking about a lot of ways that I stay out of any of that condition. First of all, by really prioritizing Mm -hmm. where do I need to put my energy that's going to move my mission and my vision forward and the rest of it probably 95% of its noise. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really about discernment Yeah, really more than anything else. You have to be discerning as all hell today because the amount of information, the amount that other people will, will ask of you or require of you or just that, or just distractions, you know, distractions are another thing you got, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's why I say stay focused Like when we coach a dental team, the time to have these conversations is in the morning huddle. And in the morning huddle, what a successful team does after they've gone through some of the ritual of a a 15 minute huddle, they're also going to say things like, "Okay, where are we going to put 
our energy and which patients in particular are we going to put our energy in to get the most results for them, but also for the office and for ourselves today Mm -hmm. and prioritize the energy you're putting in? Because I'd love to be able to tell you that all patients are equal, but they're not. Mm -hmm. All human beings are not equal either. And Mm -hmm. some deserve what you you know, have to give them. And some people are going to have to do without or figure Mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm very protective of my time, which allows me to not go into overwhelm. Yeah. You know what else I've also learned over just the last few years is to really put a lot of buffer zones in my day. So I don't care whether it's travel or a commute or just the things I schedule during the day, I would rather just do a few things really, really well during the course of the day than to try to do this endless punch list of things, you know? And, and you know, there's also the other, uh, to oversimplify this conversation, there's the 90-10 rule, right? Or 80-20 rule, which says, look, you're going to get 90% of your, of, of where you want to go with tackling the top 10% of your, your list. Absolutely. So again, it's discernment, it's priority, it's delegation, a lot of words there. Yeah. Great. The other thing you mentioned is sharpening your focus. And we kind of touched on this earlier because if you can connect the request for your time and how you invest your time with what you really want to focus on, that's going to get you a long way. So how, how do our listeners sharpen their focus? Well, again, I think, first of all, you get clear about what are the things that really matter versus the things that are, you know, just another crossword puzzle or some crazy game. But I think know what matters. And then what I have always prided myself on is once I know what those two, three, four, five things during the course of a day that I definitely am going to invest my energy I'm all in. I'm all in. And that means I drill down as deep as I have to. I have as long a conversation or as long a fact-finding mission as I have to do. But if it's a high priority and a lot of people are counting on it and counting on our best work, then, you know, John Wooden, the great basketball coach too, I think this is relevant. He said to all his players, he goes, be quick, but don't hurry. And where that, where that relates to me is, is don't be in a hurry to cover a whole bunch of different things, but do be quick and focused to your word, focused to the things that really matter that are going to make a difference. Well said, well said. So you may have already covered this. If if you could share just one thing, if you could just boil down productivity to one thing for listeners that want to be more productive, what would that be? Well, I wrote a whole chapter in my book about the concept of in my life, there's no work, there's no play. Mm-hmm. It's just how I live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that come into the question you just asked me? Well, Everything that is in my life is interesting to me, whether that be a company email that I'm passionate about or whether it be my golf game that I'm also passionate about. Okay, and and so 
the point is I, I treat, I treat them equal. It's just how I live 24 seven. So consequently, I don't see the things that are on my, I won't call them a bucket list, but I think, you know, one of the exercises that I've, I've coached people to do, in fact, the busier people are, the more they need to do this. And I think I've done this with you before, Don, and that is take a page of your journal, draw a line down the center of it. And on the left side, it's things I, I love to do, right? Things that give me passion, give me joy, grow me as a human being. On the right side, things that no longer give me joy, mm-hmm. that no longer add value to my life or to others. And what I would do is I'd take wherever you are at in your life or in your career, I would make those lists. So, Because awareness is always the first key, right? And then what I would try to do, and maybe it takes you a month, maybe it takes you a year, maybe it's a lifelong commitment, but what if we were to eliminate the right side list Mm -hmm. and just spend 95% of our time in the things that we love, Mm -hmm. things that, that matter to us and things that we're passionate about and purposeful about? And that make us hungry and give us drive. Mm-hmm. You know, another, another um, chapter in the new book, it's called uh, Passion, Hunger, and Drive. Mm-hmm. I think, first of all, you got to have the passion for anything that you do if you're going to do it well. And also, when I say hungry, I don't mean hungry like, you know, starving for your next meal. I believe Warren Buffett at wherever he is, 88, 89 years old, 90, he's still hungry. Mm -hmm. He he needs any money, but he's Mm -hmm. still hungry to do another, you know, what he considers acquisition or or big deal. So he remains passionate, hungry, and that's what gives you the drive, right? And I think when you're in the mission, when you're in doing what it is that you want to do, then all else is – it just flows, you know, and part of, I think, having a successful life is having one that flows. But again, I'm going to go circle right back to how we started. You have to come from the right emotions every morning. Mm-hmm. You've got to decide in advance that you're going to be optimistic and happy and kind and abundant and be grateful. Even when you don't think you have mm-hmm. to be grateful for, that's when you got to be grateful more. Yeah. Yeah, it's all this. What you're talking about is loving what you do and enjoying the process. And if you're waking up every day and looking yourself in the mirror and you're not looking forward to the day or looking or, or loving what your day is about, then you really got to ask, ask yourself some questions, some tough questions. Maybe take advantage of that exercise that you just laid out. And because uh, it's a just a different life. Well, and, and I'm going to add one word because, yes, it's you got to love what you do. But, you know, sometimes the purposeful work that you and I do, you don't necessarily love, but mm-hmm. you know it's filled with power of purpose. Yes. So I would say if, if you can find something that's purposeful and you love it, well, that's the, that's the zone, right? But sometimes it's like, hey, this is really purposeful. And maybe I don't love it. Maybe it's not the most favorite thing I want to do right now, but I know – 
that in the long run, it's the best place for me to invest my energy and it'll pay back in multiples. Yeah. Great. You know, this has been a fantastic conversation. I know our listeners are going to get just chock full of information on how to be more productive. Bernie, if someone wants to reach out and connect with you more, what's what's the best way or buy your book? What's the best way for them to do all that? Well, the book is the book is uh, on Amazon, either in Kindle or um, in hardcover. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that. We released it uh, 15 days ago and it. I think it it went up to number four on the Amazon bestseller list for uh, self-help and personal development. And and that really made me happy because I I didn't want to do this book as another dental industry book. I wanted this to really be my pay it forward book. It was it's it's a belief I have that anybody in dentistry. I mean, here's my greatest wish, my wish is that every human being that's in the dental profession, everyone who works on every team, every doctor, and even every coach at Fortune Management reads that book because I believe that it will make you be better for it. Um, and and I don't have, I'm, I don't have the, the market cornered on all this stuff. This is just one man's opinion. But I will tell you that that is a recipe. And we talk a lot at Fortune about trusting the process. If someone was to really trust that process of that book, which is why we called it the fortune recipe, essential ingredients for creating your best life, is because I really believe anyone who used a majority of those principles and core values, which have guided me, would have a better life. And I really believe that. And and so I wanted that really to be my pay it forward. Uh, As I had told you earlier, I didn't do it to make money. In fact, all the proceeds of that book are going to go to the, the Fortune Charitable Foundation. Um, and I just want people, I want people to read it. And, and I think it, it will be, be really good for not just for the people in healthcare, but any CEO or anyone, or anyone who's just looking to live the fullest life. Because, uh, again, I'm not perfect, but I've, I've been able to create a pretty good life. And you know, and I, I think the very first chapter is one that people need to understand. It's titled Gratitude. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing I tell people is because it, 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 the, the pessimist or the realist would be very easy to say, well, easy for you to be grateful. Look at all you have and all you've done and all you've accomplished in your life. And I go, no, I go, look, again, it's the being first. I had to be grateful when I had none of that. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. I had the gratitude is what got me the incredible life. So yeah. I hope that people start with the the end in mind. Yeah. Don't look at a successful person and say he's happy because he's successful. Look at him and say he's successful because he's happy. That's exactly right. You know, the other chapter in that book that I, I really, really hope people get because I think the world needs it. And that is the chapter on abundance. Um, there's still too many people in business that want to play a zero sum game. Mm -hmm. Too many people out there that believe that, that it's a scarcity mentality, whether it be in the business world or in, in humanity, where for them to win or get what they want, someone else has to lose. And that's just not true. Mm -hmm. There is an infinite um, amount 
of love in this world. There's an infinite amount of opportunity. There's an infinite amount of wealth and never be willing to go into any business dealing or any deal or any negotiation where someone's a clear cut loser. You know, I tell people that, in fact, that was really one of the purposes of the first book that I wrote a few years ago, the win-win outcome, which is to tell doctors, look, if you're looking to do merger acquisitions, whether you're a buyer, you're a seller, whatever you are, don't ask fortune to come and represent you to try to take advantage of the other party. Mm-hmm. We won't put our name on that. Absolutely. The reason I won't is, first of all, it's unethical. But number two is it's not necessary. There is always a, a way to create one and one equaling three. And it's always blue ocean. And the way you do that is by never be willing to play a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. And if people could handle their relationships, their marriages, their business relationships, uh, client relationships that way and be willing to lead with their giving hand. And again, circle back to what this this topic is today with discernment. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, you can't help everybody. It's hard right. to do, you right. know, so you look for ways to manage your time and energy. I love the way Zig Ziglar says that. He says, you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And and that's, and, you know, so nowadays that's what I try to do. That's, that's what that book was all about. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I can help a ton of people with that book, well, then I don't have to worry about it. Because you also have to believe in the law of, the universe, the law of attraction, right? Which means whatever you send out and whatever value you create to other human beings, it's going to come back to you tenfold, whether you like it or not. Yeah. But you can't focus on that, right? Right. Bernie Stoltz, great conversation. Thank you so much. Appreciate you taking and investing the time in this because that was a choice. So thank you for that and have an amazing day. It is done. And it was a wise choice to make this investment because anytime I get to spend time with you, as one of my trusted colleagues and good friends, it's uh, it's always a joy, my brother. So have a wonderful day, and I will see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on Fortune Management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com.